Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the show, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is free and available on all recording platforms, major recording platforms with podcasts coming out four days a week at bare minimum. We have uh, a pretty much a very standard uh, schedule here on this podcast. It's around the world section where I cover pretty much everything and the highlights of what's going on throughout the sports world. All major sports besides for like uh, F1 racing. Uh, I cover a little bit of tennis. I cover a fair amount of uh, golf, stuff like that. And a little bit of hockey, basketball, baseball, all that jazz. For, for those of you who are new, uh, just welcome. Thank you so much again for listening. I appreciate the uh, the time out of your day. And uh, with that being said, uh, if you guys enjoy the content I'm going to be bringing to you today and for upcoming podcasts in the future, please do me a favor and subscribe and leave a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any major recording platform. Uh, really, really appreciate that. And with that being said, let's get straight into around the world section then unfortunately we'll start out with chet holmgren uh hurting his his right foot getting a quote a Liz frank injury similar injury that happened to matt corral of the carolina panthers this last week uh injury will unfortunately take him out for the entirety of the year okc fans uh i kind of feel bad for you i kind of don't because you stole our basketball franchise but overall the guy was the number two overall draft pick and with that being said, uh, it's a bummer. Obviously, now the jersey sales are not going to be are going to be down. Uh, people aren't going to know what to expect from him coming in in the future. All that good stuff. But uh, what it, what it comes down to at the end of the day is quite simple. Uh, you got nothing to really root for this year, unfortunately. Shea Gilders Alexander, I believe, is still there. But a couple players are going to be probably looking to get their way out of town due to the fact that OKC Fire is OKC Thunder, excuse me is a dumpster fire of an organization and they are not trying to be competitive. All they want are draft picks. Uh, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have launched a new league. It's a uh, golf infused with tech with uh, lots of like new updated technology. Should be interesting to see what comes out from this. It is partnered with the PGA. So I'm imagining it will have a pretty good backing behind it for the, for the new brand and for the new overall programs coming out within the new league. Uh, that's all I really have on it right now. There's a little bit of information out there right now, but I don't really know a whole lot about what they're talking about, to be honest with you. And if I like to cover podcasts and topics, I like to know what I'm talking about before I get into it. So that's what I got on the golf. Um, unfortunately, Hall of Famer uh, Len Dawson, quarterback, passed away this week at the age of 87. Uh, my condolences to go out to him and his family. And uh, it's just unfortunate, especially for the fact that he had a long career with the Chiefs organization. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. officially apologizes in his first press conference since the PED suspension came down the timeline. Um, quote, I let so many pe- people down. Honestly, uh, just this is just my, my personal opinion. I thought the apology was weak. I thought it was hollow. Uh, I'm not trying to just, you know, persecute the young man. That's not what I'm here for. It's not what I do. I do cover a very analytical perspective here. I don't try and keep, I try and keep my fandom out of it because I know a lot of you guys already have plenty of people you guys listen to for fans perspective. I'm trying to bring an a- analytical side to this is what I do, but I can't not just toss in my two cents on this because of the, uh, you know, the impact of what Fernando Tatis Jr. has brought to baseball and for the San Diego Padres or organization just a very bad look all the way around you can clearly tell that he's starting to realize that the ramifications of his actions are massive uh to say at least at the bare minimum are massive to be honest um it's just uh 
the whole situation stinks. It rots from, from the head down. I don't understand why he chose to do this. I don't understand why he chose to get an injection or some kind of a uh, a steroid to help out with whatever it was used for. If it's for, you know, a competitive advantage, if it was for ringworm, I don't really care. But the fact for me that he didn't go through the organization to get that cleared, obviously, is probably the biggest number one problem. But listen to a little bit about what Jeff Passon has had to say and his perspective, which is kind of where I get a little bit of that uh, optics from. So I just want to give that a little bit of a shout out. Walker Bueller, pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, has opted to get Tommy John. Unfortunately, he'll obviously be out for the rest of the season. And there's not really, uh, he'll be out indefinitely. Uh, there's not a active uh, timeline for him to be coming back to the organization. Obviously, at some point in time, whenever he is ready and healed and rehabbed back to be ready to go, he will be back because he is one of the best young pitchers in baseball. So just sad to see that because I'm a big Walt Walker Bueller fan. I love his stuff. I like his moxie and all like a jazz. Along with the fact that Bryce Harper returns today for the Philadelphia Phillies. Congratulations. Welcome back, uh, Bryce Harper. Baseball is definitely better with you, even though you're a class A jerk. You're a great baseball player. And sometimes, you know, not all baseball players are cute teddy bears. Some of them are just kind of... Uh, Walk to the beat of their own drum. That's what we'll say on that. New Orleans Pelicans announced this week that Zion Williamson will officially play in the Pelicans season opener versus the Brooklyn Nets on October 19th after missing 17 months with a foot injury. Obviously, this is a big deal for the Pelicans. Uh, their coach did an absolutely incredible job with that team this last year. I was a big fan of what the, the, the Pelicans were able to build around. Uh, I... Obviously, the loss of CJ uh, is a big, is, it's a big deal. I mean, he was a great player. He was part of the Rip City in Portland. Uh, he joining uh, the ESPN as becoming a color, a color, color commentator and an analyst. Excuse me. So, with that being said, I like the Pelicans. We'll see what happens with them. But overall, we all still know that John Morant was a better pick in that draft class. And uh, the last thing for around the world this week, or for today, excuse me, probably the last podcast for this week, and then I'm going to hop back on on, for, on Monday, is that uh, Shakira Austin uh, won WNBA Rookie of the Year for the Dream with posting an average this season of 16 points, 4.5 rebounds, and it's just an overall great season for a rookie. Just want to give her a little bit of shout-out and a little bit of love for the, for the ladies who've been working their tails off during the course of the regular season. Obviously, we are now... And playoff time, I believe first game for the Storm will be on Sunday. So I will have a little bit of an update about how game one went on Monday on, on that podcast for you guys. Mariners, oh boy, we got a lot today for the Mariners. I'm so excited for this. I apologize. I'm, I got my phone's been going off like crazy. Oh, uh, I got a little bit of an update for you guys too. That's going to be great also to see. We'll get into that. A little, little teaser for you guys for later. But anyways, um, I got my first question for you guys, right? And I'm just kind of just doing this a little bit differently because I got so much Mariners to get into today, right? Why did Jerry not address the offense during the trade deadline? You know, they clearly did not prepare for uh, the loss of Ty France. They were like, they're very clearly reliant and uh, upon the use and the greatness and the continual uh, consistent plate appearances and professional at-bats from Ty France and the fact that they didn't prepare for a possible injury with him even though he got hurt before the All-Star break was not exactly ideal. I don't think it was... Um, I mean, obviously they went out, they got Carlos Santana. He did fine I guess you could say I talked about him last podcast if you want to listen on how I feel about Carlos Santana please do me a favor listen to the previous podcast I did a thorough rant on that about what I feel about that in general 
But uh, Carlos Carl Santana, 200 hitter hitting inside the four hole. Uh, I mean, obviously the lineup has changed lately. Now we're seeing Mitch Hanger batting four, stuff like that. But I mean, you look at these guys that got traded at, at the trade deadline, right? Trey Mancini goes, goes to Houston. Daniel Vogelback goes to the Mets. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Naquin goes, I believe, also to, to, to the Mets. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he, he was a Met. But, I mean, all those three guys would have been better additions than what Carlos Santana was, right? And, obviously, we were all excited for, for, for Carlos Santana. I was, too, when we got him because, obviously, we needed a first baseman. Didn't have one. Evan White wasn't even remotely close to getting back. Wasn't even, yeah. He wasn't even the stratosphere of sniffing or cutting the MLB, you know, cheese, whatever you want to label it as, right? But I mean, Jerry, quite frankly, and quite, quite clearly, excuse me, relied upon the additions of Kirk Casale, who's played a total of four games this year. Matt Boyd, who's still rehabbing from his injury. He essentially rolled a 50-50 coin. Travis Janikowski did nothing. Ned didn't even play a single game. Um, offensive struggles have been a huge issue lately. I mean, obviously, we've been seeing some home runs from Mitch Hanniger, Julio Rodriguez, Eugenio Suarez, all that stuff, right? But uh, just having sub-four run games, the Mariners' run differential, uh, excuse me, win differential when they score more than four runs is night and day different. They are like, I want to say they're 40 games above 500 when they score four or more runs, and they're 40 games under 500 when they score four or less runs. Let's give, give or take. I might be exaggerating that a little bit. I apologize. I don't have the exact stat on me, which I usually do. But um, it's quite apparent they need to score more runs. And what I'm looking at right now, Taylor Trammell needs to be called up immediately. 36 games left on the season. Uh, obviously, it was a great win last night for Marco Gonzalez versus Tristan McKenzie. Uh, Marco was a bulldog, played great. Time in offense, Mitch Hanniger. We're relying too much on the home run ball right now. Obviously, the home run ball is great. Everybody likes dingers, myself included. They're great to watch. Makes for great theater. Makes for great baseball. For great commentary, right? But you got to be able to find more runs to score. And quite frankly, this team's done a pretty good job this season of being able to find different ways to score runs. Not just relying upon the long ball to do so. Uh, excuse me. Uh, State of the farm. Couple updates on a couple prospects I've been talking about in recent podcasts. Excuse me. Taylor Dollard, who I've been talking about all season, uh, posted another start at Double A Arkansas, where he went six and two thirds innings pitched, three earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts for Dollard. Hogan Windish posts another. Uh, excuse me, a three hit game and a two hit game. Currently hitting 380 at Class A. Modesto, along with Axel Sanchez, who's about the same league, uh, same uh, level of the organization. He, so Hogan Wendish, right? He's hitting 380. And then uh, Axel Sanchez has a 1,243 OPS, which obviously is ridiculous. I've been talking about this kid extensively just due to the fact that he's just tearing the cover off the ball. As we all know, you know, single A is single A, so I'm not trying to take anything away from the young man. But it's absolutely great to see overall in general. Sam Carlson had another positive outing. Uh, six innings pitched, one run run, seven strikeouts as he continues to work his way back from injuries. Bryce Miller, who's also at double A. Uh, just another very savvy start. I like what Bryce Miller's been able to do this year. He's been able to work his way up the ranks in the prospect system through Baseball America. Six innings pitched, one run run, one walk, three strikeouts. Not a flashy start, don't get me wrong. But on the season, right, he's pitched 20, he started 22 games, five and three record, which I know isn't a great record, but I mean, the overall uh, offense at Arkansas has been up and down throughout the course of the season. 108 and two thirds innings pitched, 81 hits, 128 strikeouts to just 35 walks, and holding batting uh, batters to an average of 207 on the season. This is a very positive sign. Obviously, you have Bryce Miller, Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, 
Sam Carlson. I've been talking about these guys a lot throughout the season. Prelander Baroa is rising through the ranks. Brian Wu is rising through the ranks right now. Michael Morales. You have a plethora of quality pitching coming. And I'm really excited for this. And then obviously, obviously today is quite simply Julio Rodriguez Day, right? Uh, last This last ser- uh, series, becomes he became the first ball player in 20 years to record a 2020 season. That means 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases for the Mariners. But obviously... The big news today is Julio Rodriguez's 13-year, $210 million guaranteed extension with the Seattle Mariners. Reported via Jeff Passan, The Wet Blanket. For those of you who don't know the joke about The Wet Blanket, I highly recommend you go and find the song on YouTube that Seattle Sports Station made for him last year. It is classic. It is gold. Um, Not quite cougar gold cheese, but it's gold. Not that I eat cheese. Anyways, <laughs> excuse me. Um, Averages out to about $16.1 million per year. Essentially, this is the way that the contract extension will break down. It is $120 million from 2022 to 2029. Bare minimum contract extension with before like the big boosters and the big uh, chunks of money and time kick in is five years, $90 million, which is incredibly cheap. It's obviously about $15 million a year, give or take. That's why the 16.1 is popping up, but that's just for the course throughout the contract. Obviously that will rise if he gets all of his incentives, all of his uh, in-game bonuses, all that good stuff. All-star game appearances, home run derbies, MVPs, all-stars, all that stuff. And the nugget that I teased you guys a few minutes ago, this just came to my phone. I apologize if you're hearing clicking because my phone's been going off like a madman all day. Julio Rodriguez has a full no trade clause. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want to be a Dodger, a Yankee, a Red Sox, uh, you know, the Braves, anybody. He doesn't. He wants to be a Seattle Mariner, and that is such a beautiful thing for this organization. The fact that he has that he came in so humble, so hungry. All he wanted to do was just prove his value. And quite clearly, if this kid, there's a, it's going to be between him or Adley Rutschman to win Rookie of the Year. Obviously, I hope it's Julio. That's just my fandom. I, they're obviously both incredible prospects. Adley Rutschman's done incredible things for the Baltimore Orioles. I will not ever take away how good he has been for Baltimore because I haven't seen a player of that caliber for, for Baltimore in years. And granted, they have guys like Grayson Rodriguez coming through the system along with other prospects. But the battle between Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman is probably going to go down all the way to the end of the season. If Julio can get a little bit of a, on a tear, maybe he gets his you know his fiery lit with his contract, gets his parents hooked up with a beautiful pad down, down in, the, uh, in the DR, all that good stuff. I'm just so excited for this young man. I'm so thankful that we have him here in Seattle. You know, we've seen players like Ronald Acuna with, with, with the Braves. Juan Soto, who was obviously initially a Washington National, now a San Diego Padre. Uh, Wander Franco with, with Tampa Bay, who's had a downslide this season. Michael Harris has got an extension. There are so many promising prospects and young players in baseball that is bringing the attention back to baseball. And when you have a player... Of this magnitude, Julio Rodriguez, which by the way, for the record, has the ability to go up to $450 million to become the highest played player in the history of baseball is such a huge showing by the Mariners because what this does, it doesn't just lock this kid up, right? It doesn't just tell the fan base that this is our guy. This is our cornerstone of our franchise for the next 14 years. This is the guy we're going to be building everything around. This puts a huge ripple in the lake, right? This isn't a pond. This is the lake because when I'm talking about a lake versus a pond, right? 
He's like, this this guy's like talking about lakes and ponds. This is why. When you have a 14-year extension, you are making a signal to all of baseball that the Seattle Mariners are going to be prevalent for the next 14 years. Because Julio is too damn good to not succeed. He's too talented. He's not, you know, one of those players that just gets the money and runs. He's not like what some NFL players do where they get the money and then they just, you know, shut it down. Julio is so proud to play for his country, for his family, for this organization, for this city, for this fan base. He's going to truly just leap bounds and leaps and bounds ahead for the next years to come. I'm so excited for this. Free agency is going to be incredible. I'm If I'm looking at free agents right now, if I'm looking, if I'm the Mariners, right, this is what I'm doing right now. To start the offseason, first matter of business. Extend Luis Castillo. Number two, extend Mimit Hanniger. Obviously, we've seen how critical he is to this offense. He is a catalyst and a run scorer. He's our table clear, like I talked about a long time ago, like 20 podcasts ago, whatever it was. Uh, Mark DeRosa Jerry Ta- and Jerry talked about it as well. You have table setters and you have table clears. You don't have a whole lot of table clears. You have a lot of table setters right now, like France, Crawford, uh, sometimes France. Uh, you know, you have clears in Suarez, Hanniger, Julio, who you can be putting both those uh, you know, in both of those conversations. But you put J.P. Crawford at second base. I firmly believe this now because I'm looking at these uh, free agent shortstops: Alexander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, Trey Turner. You have a plethora of really good shortstops coming up that could make your team so, so much better than what it is this year. And this team's already a very good team. They're not a great team, but they could become a gr- they could be a great team after being a good team this year, a really good team with so many young pro- uh, prospects and young players. Like just even George Kirby taking this step for a leap for, for year two. I am so excited for this kid. He's been incorporating that two-seam fastball. I'm looking at all of these free agents and looking at what they have. A young Julio who just got locked up. Kirby's probably getting a contract extension. Logan's got to figure out something in the offseason. You went on and got Luis Castillo. You have Robbie Ray, Marco, Flexen. You know, the list goes on. It's a really good team. And you start going out in, into free agency. You show you're not, you know, afraid to spend that money. You know, this is what this is what players are looking for. This is why Trevor Story didn't sign. Chris Bryant, uh, you know, all all the guys that we, uh, you know, Javier Baez, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. The list goes on, right? And all those names we were actually into the, you know, in the conversation with. But overall, what it comes down to is that now you're becoming more attractive as an organization to other teams when you when you have obviously the most travel distance of any team inside of all Major League Baseball. This is a fact. You need to be able to build a team that is very attractive to young players and for the upside for why they want to come to a team like the Seattle Mariners and players like Julio Rodriguez set the table for a very, very, very exciting offseason and great conversation. Uh, That's what I have for uh, Mariners today. Uh, I don't have pitching matchups or anything like that today. Uh, I just kind of want to talk a bit about Julio's uh, contract extension, the ramifications, what all of this means. Uh, let's get into the Seahawks. We've got a lot of Seahawks as well today. Obviously, Pete Stay said Gino will start in this week's game versus the Dallas Cowboys today. Um, I want to talk about a couple undrafted players who I think have a real shot to stick around, either on practice squad most likely for most of these guys, except for one who I think will make the roster. I'll talk that at the very end. Kevin Cassis, who's an undrafted wide receiver out of Montana State. Uh, I think he's going to 
have the ability to probably make on on the practice squad. He's been really consistent, really savvy in his routes. Uh, kind of been hearing some people compare him to Wes Welker with his skill set. Uh, just kind of been continuing to shine bright throughout the preseason games, throughout training camp. He's not a flashy player. He's just very consistent. And if I'm looking at a player like Penny Hart, that's kind of how I'm looking at somebody. Penny Hart versus Kevin Cassis of who's going to stay around. Penny Hart will make some plays, but not all of the plays. And when you're a wide receiver, you need to be able to make all the plays when you have the opportunities given to you. Uh, Scott Nelson, a safety, good versatile player, uh, has the ability to help out on defense when it's needed. Obviously, that would require an injury, which we obviously wouldn't want to happen. But he'd be a really good contributor on special teams. I also anticipate he'll probably be a uh, practice squad addition as well. But the guy who I think is going to make the roster is going to be Vi Jones, just due to the fact that the linebacker depth in general is a little bit weak this year. Or not a little, it is weak. I've been talking about this. No John Radigan, no Ben Burkirvin. Um, It's just not exactly an ideal situation at linebacker for the Hawks, considering how important that is going into a 3-4 scheme. Uh, they have a Chanuoso, Daryl Taylor, Boye Mafe. So Vi Jones, a little bit undersized, 6'2", 220. Uh, if they sign and put him onto the practice squad, which I anticipate at the very least has the ability to put on maybe 10 pounds of muscle throughout the season get a little bit stronger because he's plenty quick enough has really long arms all that good stuff so i'm really excited for this kid i've been talking about him a lot throughout my podcast and i really hope he's able to get onto the squad at some point this season okay uh some of you guys have been asking about players of training camp this is what i have for you my offensive player of training camp has been dj dallas just to how explosive how mean he's been running very much like chris carson which obviously is a battering ram style. I don't know how that's going to, uh, you know, show and dictate for the for the longevity of DJ Dallas's career. Obviously, I would like for him to be around longer than Carson, just due to the fact that Carson didn't last that long in the league due to how how he ran with his aggression. But got to give some love to DJ Dallas. Uh, defense, this was a little bit tougher for me, to be honest with you, because I was like, oh man, Tariq Wollin's been really great. I'm going to talk about Tariq Wollin here in a minute. Um, but I got I had to kind of split it. I was like, I kind of uh, went 50% Jordan Brooks, 50% Josh Jones, just due to the fact that Josh Jones has been everywhere during training camp. I don't see how he cannot get a spot on this roster with this team. Due to his defensive versatility, his ability to play throughout all different positions on the 3-4 scheme. And quite frankly, he's just been a ball hawk he's been all over the ball he's been super savvy when it comes to cutting off routes stuff like that jordan brooks obviously being the signal caller on defense and his emergence with being a leader on and off the field has been incredibly uh just in, just such a pleasant showing from jordan brooks excuse me which we all kind of figured we would ha- have to show up and do with the loss of uh bobby wagner here in the offseason my rookies i got a couple of them here uh obviously as i talked about just a minute ago treak wallen has just been unbelievable i words can't even go to explain to you how impressed i've been with treak wallen uh I think he's going to start at corner. I do. I just think there's too much physical upside. I think they're just going to love him too much and the ability. I understand if they didn't, just due to the fact that other players like Mike Jackson has been playing really well throughout training camp and pushing for a roster spot as well. So the competition's on, and that's exactly what Pete and John talked about during the draft and the offseason was getting back to a competitive uh, training camp and competitive battles at all positions. Abe Lucas and Charles Cross. I First of all, I got to give some serious love to Abe Lucas, man. This guy came out of Wazoo, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit more, so I don't want to get into the whole thing here. But he is such a mauler. He reminds me a lot of Breno Giacomini back in the day. Just a road-grading, mauling, mean, nasty, just tackle. Considering he came out of Wazoo, a pass-heavy system, super impressed with what Abe Lucas has been able to do. He's pushing Jake Curhan out of, out of his spot. You know, Not that it's a huge shocker in any form of the fashion of the way, but... um. 
Jake Curran's a really good, savvy football player, but just the ability of Abe Lucas is such a telling thing on the football field. And I'm just really impressed with his ability to come in and take the uh, opportunities and make most of his opportunities and chances with the first team. Um, I talked about Charles Cross a little bit. Uh, his penalties are up, but the upside is tremendous, obviously. And then Dariq Young, a wide receiver. I'm going to talk about some of the positional battles coming up here. And Dariq Young is definitely going to be a part of them with players to watch, excuse me, for the page turn. Um, and speaking of positional battles, offense I, I just talked about was was right tackle between Jake Curran and Abe Lucas. This is done. Uh, Jake, uh, Abe Lucas is going to win this job, which is great to see, obviously. I talked about him uh, just literally like a minute or two ago. Just, again, when you have a rookie who's a third-round draft pick out of Wazoo who's not had a single lineman been any shadow of anything good out of that team or out of the organization or that college, excuse me, that pass-heavy system... Mike Leach, uh, Air Raid, and then he comes in and just mauls people. Just a nasty grizzly bear downgrade mauling tackle, which is exactly what they were hoping they did get. He just mean. Like, you saw that guy in a back alley of a bar, you'd be like, oh, I should probably turn the opposite direction and run. Yeah. Uh, so another thing I've been watching very closely has been third string wide receiver, right? Diaz Gridge finally got his butt on the practice field. Not that it's his fault. He's been battling a hamstring issue, but that he uh, sustained within 10 minutes of the opening day of practice, which obviously is not great at all. But uh, Diaz Gridge, you got some guys pushing you right now, man. Dariq Young, Kate Johnson, Bo Melton, Kevin Cassis, I've been talking about throughout the podcast. Uh, just continue to push throughout training camp. And if I'm, uh, you know, obviously Diaz Critch, second round draft pick out of Central Michigan. Guy's got incredible physical. He's just built differently than all those guys. Stronger, quicker, uh, a little bit smaller, obviously, because Drake Young is a very large man, which is why I, I will anticipate him. He will he will make the roster. It's either going to come down to him or Bo Melton, but I probably will pick Drake Young at this point in time due to the fact that his ability to run, block, as well as catch passes. So, uh, D.S. Critch's guys were cut out for him. Uh, I don't imagine they're going to cut him by any means because, yeah, I mean, they did spend a high draft pick on him. He would get sna- he would get uh, snagged up in a quick second by uh, lots of teams, even with all of his injury history, just due to the fact of his production in college. So, be curious to see what happens and becomes of that. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight, and uh, hopefully he gets, you know, five, six targets and opportunities to show what he can do in tonight's game versus the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, defense, quite frankly, I talked about Treek Wollen. Every practice, he makes a play that's truly special. Those kinds of players are just really hard to find uh, in these days camp. I, just, I mean, you come out of a D2 school, University of Texas, San Antonio. You had a lot of questions. Uh, was a wide receiver transferred over to DB? A lot of questions about his physical ability to play the position. Had all the physical you know, traits and the ability in the world. Just, was he going to be able to translate it to the NFL in such a short amount of opportunities to play the position in college? And hell yeah, he has been awesome. I think he's going to be incredible. Kobe Bryant, Justin Coleman, the comp- the competition at slot cornerback is very similar to this to me as I was talking about with him and Mike Jackson. I probably lean right now for Coleman for the first couple weeks, but I anticipate that Kobe Bryant at some point will take his job. Just due to the fact that Kobe Bryant has an extremely high football IQ, not saying that Justin Coleman doesn't, but when it comes down to ability and uh, just game, game recognizes game. And I think Kobe Bryant is going to be a starter for the Seattle Seahawks at some point this season. It's just a matter of when. Uh, but yeah, pretty much, uh, that's what I got for you guys today. Today's podcast, like I said, ran a little bit longer. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed a little bit more content today. This is going to be an incredible game, uh, set of games this weekend. I can't wait for training camp, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. 
If you guys enjoyed the content, the conversation, the overall topics I brought to you today, please do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave me a rating so that lets me know how I'm doing. If there's anything uh, conversation-wise or topics that I'm not covering on a day-to-day basis that you would like me to talk about, please reach out to me on any platform possible. I am on damn near any podcast or any uh, uh, social network platform available. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, you, you can reach me at capital PNW, Professor on there. Uh, please reach out to me on that if you have questions or anything like that. Thank you again, guys, so much for listening. Mariners, see us rise. Seahawks, go Hawks. Julio, God bless you. Earn the money. Get the bag. Electric Factory. We'll see you tonight.